This morning I'm going to speak. Larry, you can throw up that PowerPoint if you would, and I'm going to, we'll begin off that. But this morning I'm going to speak on uh, a topic that is really going to go into a couple weeks, and then it's going to go probably culminate maybe the third week in the evening with a membership um, class, if you will. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, we want to, I'm going to talk about this morning, why church? Why church? What's so special about church? And I, because one of the things that is bringing me to this is that church is, quite honestly, in our society today, becoming more and more seemingly outdated and optional. Many people don't go to church anymore because they don't think it's necessary or it's an optional point or an optional exercise of being a Christian. In fact, church is not the only topic that's becoming more outdated as, we, as time goes on, but many of our traditional beliefs are being challenged and questions if they're important and worthwhile. Um, many of our core values are changing. Uh, marriage versus cohabitation. I mean, cohabitation is becoming the natural way of dating. It is. It's, it's, not, it's not politically correct. It's not fundamentally popular to go from a dating in a pure relationship into a courting relationship and then into a marriage relationship. No, they want to try the shoes on before they buy them. They think that's the better way. They think it's more that it's better to, to try it out, and if we try it out, then we'll have a better chance of succeeding down the road. And statistics prove otherwise, by the way that that doesn't work better. Other core values are being challenged. Marriage between male and female versus same-sex marriage. We all see where that's going. Um, the, the values of parents being willing or being free to properly discipline their children without the risk of social services coming in because you spanked your child. Uh, that's, that's a core value that is being stepped over. The way God's name in the Bible is not being used in public settings anymore. And how they can talk and teach about Mormonism and occultism and all other kinds of things in schools, but you can't talk about God. You can't talk about Jesus because that steps on other people's rights. Well, it's twisting around, isn't it? And there's all kinds of issues today with personal freedoms free speech, gun control, all of these things. And, and, so, and all the other social views on church and godliness that we know are being challenged and being twisted for the enemy's purposes. And I think that it's all good reason. And I think we, if we understand the times we're living in, we can begin to understand why some of these things are happening. The end times are getting closer and closer. And the Bible says that in the end times, things are going to grow worse and worse as in the days of Noah. And we know what happened in the days of Noah, how they were uh, just totally abase, totally anti-God. And, and if you really research Scripture, you might find that was a time when angels were cohabitating with men and totally ungodly things were happening we think things are bad today, but in the days of Noah, it was really bad. For God to destroy all mankind, you've got to know things were really, really bad. But that's what the end times are about. 
That's what we're moving into. The days of Noah, Sodom and Gomorrah, all these things. People are were living a life totally blind to the godly spiritual world around them, only to uh, find it too late when God shuts the door on the ark and it starts to rain. Well, it's going to happen again, but, it's gonna, but this time it's going to come with the rapture of the church. So the devil is working overtime today because he knows that his days are getting shorter and shorter. So therefore, you can expect the temptations and you can expect the tribulations and you can expect all of the, um, the onslaughts of the enemy coming against you as a godly man, as a godly woman, as a godly family, and as a godly church. It's just going to happen. Let's not, let's not ignore it. Let's not put our head in the sand. Let's just face the fact it's going to happen and let's get ready for it. So today I want to talk about what God's perspective is, is about his church, even in the times when church is not necessarily popular. But God's plan has never changed for his church, just so you know that. My objective, or at the end of this message, I, I would pray, and you can see it on your notes, that, that these are the, a couple things I really want to have happen. I, I really want to, I want to be able to prove to us today that church is God's design for you, and it's important. This is God's idea, by the way. Church is not man's idea. This is God's idea, and our involvement in it is very important to him. I want to hopefully get that across today. And I want to then also, with that, create a desire or establish a desire for you to either stay involved or get more involved in your local church. And that you would see the significance of where God has placed you and to do what in your church. Now, next week I'm going to talk more about membership and why membership and the process of membership. Because membership, like everything else, is a process and why it's important to be a member of your church. And really, what does it mean? Now, you're not doing that because you need to, to be saved. Understand that. Just know that. You're already saved this morning if you've accepted Jesus Christ in your heart. Now, let's, let's take a, a look at church for a minute this morning. Let, let's take a definition of church. You see in the slide here, church is who we are, not where we go. You know, we say we're going to go to church on Sunday morning. Well, we're coming to a building on Sunday morning. But the church is not in the building. The church is in the body. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. So church is, whenever, I, whenever we think about church, let's not think about this building necessarily. Let's think about who we are as a body of Christ, as a family. That's what church is. That's who church is. So I want to give you an example from Scripture that describes the relationship of what the body is all about. I'm going to use a PowerPoint this morning because I have quite a bit to, to read with you, and I want you to read along with me so that you can see it. I know this is hard to see. If you would rather open your Bible, which is perfectly appropriate to do, by the way. <laughs> if you want to open your Bible on Sunday morning, I encourage that. But we are reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're reading about the perspective that God has about his body. So you can read along with me in your mind, or you can read out loud, whatever you'd like to do. But let's read these passages. Here's our memory verse. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Then verse 14. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would, the body, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, Every part rejoices with it. And here's our memory verse. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. It's a lot of reading, isn't it? There's a lot of logic there, isn't it? When you go back and look at the logic that God places, it's interesting. But it's also interesting that we note that God created the human body to operate in unity and in complete coordination so that it operates wisely and smoothly and with good function. And in the same way, he's created his spiritual body, which is the church, which is us, to also operate in the same coordinated fashion as a human body operates. So it seems obvious to me that God sees his children, he sees us in this local church, as well as how we relate to the other churches around us, as other bodies of Christ, that we all work together seamlessly, that we come together and we work smoothly together, that we are a well-oiled machine, as we talked a little bit about in Sunday school this morning, how the joints all work together. And you know, there's something intriguing about a when you look at a human body that is well fit, look at me. When you look at, when you look at a human body that is well fit together and you know, disciplined and, 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 and you know, muscles rippling and you know, all everything, it's intriguing to see the body, isn't it? It's intriguing to watch a healthy body operate. It's attractive because we want to have one like it. We want to be part of a body that's like that. It exudes health and strength when we see a healthy body. And it's productive. Much can get accomplished through a healthy body. And so it is with a healthy spiritual body. It's attractive to the world because they like what's going on, because they see people working together in unity and love and compassion, and they take care of each other, and they, they work to support each other, and they feed each other, and they nourish each other, and they help each other when someone's weak or there's some part of the body is hurting. They all seem to hurt with it, and, and it's amazing how this kind of fits together. 
Well, in the book written by Watchman Nee, who is a, just a really good author, he's written down three cardinal principles on living in the body of Christ. The name of his book is The Body of Christ, A Reality. And, uh, and, he, and he's uh, recorded and written about three cardinal principles on living in the body of Christ. And we're going to talk about them today. Number one is my relationship to the head, the head physically, and also the head of the church who is Christ. And that particular topic is subjection or submission. Number two is my relationship to the body, which is the church. What is my relationship to the body? What's my relationship in the church? It's fellowship. And then number three, the third point, is my place as a member in the body, which is service. So we're going to talk about these three topics as we, as we go through today. My relationship to the head, who is Christ, in the area of subjection. Now, it's interesting to know that when we, when we have a, a physical body, we have one head, not two heads. <laughs> we have one mind, even though we don't think always in one mind. But, you know, we can only have one leader. I mean, could you imagine if my arms were, my hands were being directed by two different brains? And I had one thing telling my hand to open and the other brain telling my hand to close and how it would be confused, and it really wouldn't know how to operate? Or could you imagine having one brain tell my left leg to go forward and my right leg to go sideways? You know, I mean, I can see Tim Conway doing this kind of a skit. You know, we all love Tim Conway, right, in his humor. And he was amazingly funny as a, as a humorist and how he could do these kind of things. And I can just imagine in my mind Tim Conway trying to give us an explanation or an example of how a body would work if it had two brains and how it would be confused and how it wouldn't work in a smooth and it wouldn't work in a coordinated fashion. And, uh, and in all honesty, that's the same way with the church and that we look at Christ as being the head of the body and that therefore we must be in subjection or submission to the head. The hand is in submission or subjection to the brain. The hand does nothing unless the brain tells it to do something. And that's the amazing part about it. Don't, you know, just take your hand, look at your hand for a minute. Just look at your hand. And think what you have to tell your hand to move your little finger. I mean, can you understand even the thought process that you have to go through? All of a sudden, your little finger's moving. Well, how did I tell it to move? Not all of them, Ellie, just your little one. <laughs> but still, it is, but isn't it amazing how the, op, how the body operates and how the mind somehow gets that impulse, that electrical impulse from my brain into my skeletal system, into my nervous system, and somehow my little finger's moving. Or even, even more amazing when I feel a pin prick it and I know exactly where to look. I know exactly where to look when my going to cut my finger because the pain tells me, there, it's right there in your little finger. How did that happen? I don't know. But it happens. Watchman Nee says this in his book. He says, the meaning of my Christian consecration has to do with my desire to be obedient to the Lord. I do not want to be free, 
nor will I be rebellious to authority. The first principle of living on living in the body of Christ is to be in subjection to the authority of the head, since the very existence of the body with its varied functions and activities depend on authority. Whenever authority loses its ground in us, the body is immediately paralyzed. Whichever part of the body is disobedient, that part experiences paralysis. It is only a paralyzed body which is not subject to the command of the head. Where life is, there is authority. Isn't that something? Where life is, there is authority. It is inconceivable to reject authority and still receive life. Man, that's contrary to churchdom, isn't it, in many cases? We think we can live any way we want to live and still be in the church. We don't have to listen to the voice of God. We don't have to listen to the head who is the truest Christ in the body and do what he says. No, we can do whatever we want to do, and we still think we're alive. But according to this, we're dead. We ought to seek for obedience daily. Not only should we look for opportunities by which to advance spiritually that we may be holy and righteous, we should also seek before God every opportunity to obey that we may likewise learn obedience. That's the principle of my relationship to the head, which is Christ. Number two, my relationship to the body, which is the church, and that is indeed fellowship. See, a functioning body, human body, we are in proper relationship with its various members. The hand is in proper relationship with the wrist. And the wrist is in proper relationship to the forearm. And the forearm is in proper relationship to the elbow. In fact, it reminds me of a song. Larry, let's pull up that song. I, maybe you might have heard a song like this once or twice, but this is, this is kind of an interesting little song on Dumb bones. I was thinking we ought to do this one right now. When, when Glenn and I get up every morning, it feels like somebody has put these old bones together. Let's see if we can get them together. Boy, I certainly hope so. Let's see if we can take that mic off and let's get it. I tell you what, let's start it with a hum. Won't do? I tell you what, we hum better than we sing. I tell you. Let's hum that again, won't you? Let's hum that again. Hum. Easy Connected to leg bone, your leg bone connected to 
Cathedral Quartet. But you know, they had, they, had the, they had it together there, didn't they? They knew that the bones have to work together. And as dry as they are, the Lord brings the oil of the Holy Spirit to bring them together. And before long, those bones are walking around and being productive in the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what the church is all about and how we are to have relationship with each other. Let's go back to Watchman Nee. Watchman Nee says this. A relationship to the body, remember, we're talking fellowship, relationship here. That's you and I. What's our relationship to each other? Our relationship to the head is subjection. In other words, we're subjecting ourselves to the Christ. Okay? We're submitting ourselves to the head. But yet to each other, well, then continue on with Watchman Nee, while our relationship to the body is fellowship. Among God's children, fellowship is not only a fact, but also a necessity. The life of the body of Christ relies on fellowship, for without it, the body will die. What is fellowship? For me to receive help from other members. That is fellowship. Some Christians, Christians do not understand the principle of fellowship. They wish to seek the Lord by themselves and to pray by themselves. They, they themselves do all things. They want to be not only a mouth, but also ears, to be hands as well as feet. Not so with those who know God, because they know they need fellowship. In fellowship, they acknowledge that they themselves are limited and insufficient. Through fellowship, they gladly receive as their own what the others have. You know what fellowship requires? Humility. For me to be able to accept a gift from you requires the receiver to be humble enough to receive. If I have a prideful heart to say, no, I can do all things. I can be the eye and the ear and the arm and the knee and the elbow. Well, first of all, that's a lie because I can't be. And we already read in, the, the, in our scripture passage that if, I was, if we were all eyes, we would have no hearing. Uh, there's a needed dimension of individuality and uniqueness within the body that has proper relationship with each other under the area of humility that I can accept your help, you can accept my help, and that we care about enough about each other that we want to help each other. So there's proper fellowship, proper relationship between members of the body. The third principle then is my place as a member. Now, and that is service. 
The body lives to serve itself. The body lives to serve itself. In other, word, in other, hands, in other word, the, the hand serves the other hand. And as my right hand learns to serve my left hand, we can pick things up. And we can carry things and we can be productive. The left foot lives to serve the right foot. Because together, as they coordinated, we can walk and we can produce things and we can move around. And all parts of the body live to serve the other parts of the body. Thank goodness the heart and the lungs work together. You know, as I breathe and I get fresh air into my lungs, thank goodness the heart wants to keep pumping the blood into my lungs to get to refresh in the blood, to take out the CO2, the carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide, and, and to bring in good, fresh oxygen to put new nutrients in my blood that, that works. Thank God my stomach works with my intestines. You know, and that one does the, the big part and the other does the little part and, and all the other stuff that goes on. I know the body can get kind of gross. We won't go there. But thank God they all work together, right? If one didn't want to work all of a sudden, one didn't want to serve the other part of the body, I would be paralyzed or I would be incapacitated. I would be miserable. It would not be fun to have a sick body and to have things not wanting to work together. I better keep going or this is going to deteriorate. Watchman Nee says this. Let's go to the spiritual side of the body here. This is where Watchman Nee will help. He'll bring us back in line. But my place as a member in service, Watchman Nee says, we have now seen that the life of the body is communicative and mutually supplying. We should likewise begin to realize before God that we should not be simply those who consume life, but even more so be those who supply life. If there are too few members to supply life in the body of Christ, while at the same time there are too many members who wait to receive the life supply, the strength of the body will be exhausted. Accordingly, we ourselves need to pray for other people. God will use our prayer to supply life to other members. Whenever they have need, life will flow into them. You know, the old rule, the old 80-20 rule lives and thrives in churches. 80-20 rule says that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. See, there is a certain level of function that a church must take. We've got to pay bills. We've got to have the lights on. We've got to plow the driveway. We've got to have the vacuum, the floors cleaned. We've got to operate in the, fun, in, the, in the business matters of a church. We have to have Sunday school teachers. We have to have nursery workers. We have to have um, teachers. We have to have, you, you name it. We have to have sound technicians. We have to have worship leaders and people on that. We need to have all these things happening regardless if we're a church of five people or a church of 5,000 people. It doesn't make any difference how many people we have. We still have certain things we have to happen. And the problem becomes is when, when some members of the body don't take in their particular place in the body, that it's left to the few to pick up the burden for those that aren't doing their part. That's where 20% of the people, two out of ten, are working, doing the, what the other eight should be doing. And therefore, you wonder why people burn out in churches. 
You wonder why church pastors burn out. You wonder why lay people that are committed to the body burn out because they're unfortunately they're sponges and they will do what they need to do because they're just that committed to the body. And we have a lot of those people in this church that they will just do and do and do and they'll keep working and keep working and keep working to the point where they work themselves to death. And the other 80% of the people are wondering, what's wrong with them? Why are they so down in the mouth today? Well, because they're exhausted. Because they've been doing the work that you should have been doing. This is not a guilt thing. This is just how we want to be functioning as a body. Now, for example, if we had a, my, my physical body, if I had 20% of my organs operating, I would be an invalid. I would be in a wheelchair at best. I wouldn't live long. The whole body has to work if I'm going to be functioning, if I'm going to live. So we have to serve each other. And we have to come together and recognize that it's beneficial when we all work together. And it's crucial that we understand that a healthy body is dependent on each other. You know, there, are, there, there is a movement afoot today that says, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I don't need to be involved in a body of Christ to be a Christian. I can serve the Lord wherever I'm at. I can serve the Lord on a tree stump. I can serve the Lord in a fishing vessel. I can serve the Lord when I'm flying my airplane. I can serve the Lord when I'm golfing on Sunday mornings. And yes, you can. And thank goodness, and you better be able to, by the way, otherwise you've got other problems. But yes, you can serve the Lord that way. I'm not saying you can't. But I am saying, what, according to what the Bible says, that if you don't become part of a body, ultimately you're going to die. You know, you, you cut, you, you, here's a good example, a fire. You're at a, a campfire, okay, and you've got all this nice campfire going, and they're all burning in a nice flame, but, but you take one of the embers out, that was on fire, and you take it off and put it by itself, and what's going to happen to that stick that was once on fire? It'll burn out. It burns out because it needs the flame of the others to keep it going. It needs the fuel that's given by the others. So people that say, I don't need church, well, can I say that statistically, and I would say biblically, that they're going to burn out? That they're really not going to have the flame of God long in their life. Maybe for a while, but eventually without another man coming around or another woman coming around them to sharpen them a little bit and to add more fuel to the fire, that eventually they're going to burn out. And that's a dangerous place to be, right? We don't want that. So let's come together and let's, let's work together and let's encourage each other. And the other thing is, you know, according to the text, if you go look at, you know, the, what we just read, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. See, we just don't have the right. <laughs> we don't have the authority to say, I don't need you. I can't tell, my brain cannot tell my heart, I don't need you anymore, heart. It doesn't have the ability to do that and to live. So we need to understand that we are in relationship with each other because we don't have the right not to be in relationship with each other and to live. Now, we can always choose to die that's your ultimate choice is that what you want well, that's up to you verse 26 says if one part suffers every part suffers with it if one part is honored every part rejoices with it this is interesting watchman nee says this that's a passage i was talking every one suffers every part suffers watchman nee says 
It does not say here that if one member suffers, all the other members ought to suffer with it. Nor does it say if one member is honored, all the other members ought to rejoice with it. The Word of God does not say whether we ought to or not. On the contrary, God's Word declares quite plainly that if one member suffers, all the members do in fact suffer with it. And that if one member is honored, all the other members do in actual fact rejoice with it. So it's not your choice to suffer or not to suffer. When one member suffers, we all suffer. When one member is honored, we're all honored. So it's understanding that we need to understand what our choices are and what our choices aren't. And I think that as we begin to embrace the concept that we are a body of Christ and as we operate together in proper fellowship and in proper relationship, then we can be functioning and then we can be attractive into our community and then we can be honored by God as being an efficient working body. Then we we will be the body of Christ. We will be the bride of Christ that he's coming back for someday. Because we're in obedient relationship. Number one, we're in subjection to the head. Number two, we're in proper relationship to the body. And number three, we're in service to each other. So this morning as we close, I just want to encourage us to think a little bit more deeply about what is our position in the body. What is your position in the body? You can say, well, I don't teach Sunday school because I'm not a teacher. And I'm going to say... Okay, good. We don't need everybody to be teachers. Well, I don't like the nursery because I can't handle kids. Okay, not everybody needs to be in the nursery. Some would say, I I don't like to do kitchen work because I don't like to get my hands wet. Okay, fine. See, I'm not saying you have to do everything. And, And that's not what God is saying. God doesn't want you to do everything in the body. Because then we would all be the I. No, we need individual members, individual, individual contributors that do what you're called to do. Understand this. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. You and I are all called to do something in the body of Christ. Whether you feel like you're equipped to do it or not is irrelevant because as you take faith and start walking in that area, you will be equipped because you're called. God would never put you in a position to ask you to do something that he doesn't equip you to do. If you find yourself in that position, then you're probably, like we said a number of weeks ago, a pickup truck with a plow on it is very seasonal today. We need pickup trucks with plows on it today. But that same pickup truck with a plow on it in July would be out of season. And it wouldn't make sense. He would wear his tires out quickly. He would get poor gas mileage. He would look stupid going down the road. I mean, all of these things would not work right for a plow truck in July like it does today in January when we have three feet of snow outside. So it is with the body of Christ. You're not being asked to do everything. And God is not going to ask you something he doesn't equip you to do. And if you find yourself in a stressful situation, then re-examine, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Or should I be doing something different? And maybe this question should be asked, am I doing anything at all? (laughs) 
Maybe if you're being stressed, you know, here's, here is one way to work yourself out of depression. Help somebody. Do something for somebody else. Oh, I just don't feel like getting out of bed this morning. I'm so depressed. Well, get out of bed and go help somebody else. And, ama- and it would be amazing how quickly you start feeling better because you start feeling better about yourself. And that's just the way the body works. The woe was me attitude, the Eeyores of the world attitude, are the people that just don't understand what it is to be in subjection or understand the role of relationship or understand the role of service. So this morning, I want to encourage you this morning to really press in this week and ask the Lord, what is it that you want me to do? What is my role in the body? What is my place here? Because he, I will tell you, he has a place identified. He has a place already put in place for you to work in this church. And it doesn't mean you can only do one thing. You can do multiple things too. But you don't have to do it all, is my point. I want to take the pressure off you. You don't have to do it all. Just do the one or two things the Lord gives you in excellence. Do it to the best that you can. And when every member of the body does what it does in excellence... We'll have an excellent body. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that you give us word pictures that we can understand the concepts and the, and the issues that you put to us in your word, that you allow us to see the body as you've created it in its human form to be perfect, to be so well designed and so, well, and so functional. And how, Lord, you take that same exact analogy into the, your body, the church, and how you want it to be as, as operating as functionally and as seamlessly as a human body does. So, God, I pray. I pray right now for everybody here that's listening to this. And I pray for our body in general, God, that maybe those that aren't even here. I pray the Holy Spirit, though, would somehow begin to work and to define the functions that we need to be in our body so that we are properly functioning and that we are happy doing what you would have us to do. Maybe it's not as honorable as something else, or at least well, so we think in our mind. But yet, God, you want that to happen. It's got to it's happen that way. So, God, I pray that you would just give us freedom. I pray there's no guilt. I pray there's no um, self-condemnation self, um, here that maybe think people are thinking they're not doing enough or whatever the enemy would put in people's minds. I come against it in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that you would just give us your truth and your revelation that we would know what we need to do and that we would do it with excellence. In the name of Jesus, amen.